Well, thanks for joining us uh, online, and those of you who brave the cold tonight, bless you as we continue to look into God's Word, and we are continuing our series, Things to Come, a biblical overview of the end times. Are you ready to dig in? Some of you are. Good. Well, we're going to dig in for the rest of you, too. We're going to dig right in, right away, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. This know also, King James Version, that in the last days perilous times will come. There's something we're supposed to know here. Know this, friends, know this, that in the last times, perilous times will come. English Standard Version reads like this. Understand this, that in the last times there will come times of difficulty. So what is the end going to be like? The end is going to be difficult. The end is going to be perilous. I and I I just got acquainted with Renner's interpreted version in the last couple of weeks. I like what Renner's interpretive version says to us. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one. Read this. You emphatically and categorically need to know with unquestionable certainty that in the very end of days, when time is sailed to its last port and no more time remains for the journey, that last season will stand in the midst of uncontrollable, unpredictable, hurtful, treacherous, and menacing times that'll be emotionally difficult for people to bear. Pretty clear, right? Are you encouraged yet? Let me read that last three lines again. And we're supposed to emphatically and categorically know this, that the last season will stand in the midst of uncontrollable, unpredictable, hurtful, treacherous, and menacing times that will be emotionally difficult for people to bear. Wow. Wow. Let me share a quote with you here from a book I've been reading, Last Day's Survival Guide. The word translated understand or know in these verses means to know something definitely, emphatically, and with absolute certainty. So, friends, we're supposed to know this, and we're supposed to know it with absolute certainty. It's also important to know that the tense used here depicts something so urgent that it must be known must be recognized and must be acknowledged. It is almost as if the Holy Spirit is raising his voice to get our attention. We need to understand this, we need to know this. We need to be emphatically sure, absolutely certain about what's going to happen in the last days, in the end of the end days. Matthew 24, verse 6 uh, says this to us, English Standard Version. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. need to emphasize two things right off the start two verses, but I want us to really get this in our spirits tonight. This stuff isn't written to scare us. This is written to prepare us. We need to understand that. This stuff isn't written to scare us. This stuff is written to 
prepare us. So what did we read uh, in, in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1? These times will be so difficult that they are emotionally challenging, difficult to bear emotionally. I want to ask you a question. How have you felt about the last two years? What kind of conversations have you been having the last two years with people? These last times shall be emotionally difficult to bear. And yet what instruction do we get in this portion? See that you are not alarmed. Are they going to be easy friends? No. But what do we have to be doing in our own heart? What do we have to be guarding our spirit against? See that you are not alarmed. God hasn't, isn't saying this to us to scare us. He doesn't want us to be alarmed. But he does want us to be prepared for what is ahead. So let me take you on a quick review of what we talked about last weekend. And uh, I'll just try to journey through there real quick. So we talked about uh, the church age. And the church age, scripturally, is really the last days. When the church was born, Acts chapter 2, the last days began. And the church was started with pregnant anticipation, pregnant expectation that Jesus was coming back. When Jesus ascended up to the heavens, the angel said to the disciples, who were gazing up into the skies, the angel said, uh, he's coming back in the same way he left. There's been this expectation through the entire church age that Jesus is coming back. And then after this period of expectation, which has probably gone on longer than anybody expected it to go on, we come to the period that in Matthew chapter 24 is described as the beginning of birth pains. And in that period of birth pains, there's going to be deception, earthquakes, famines, wars. After the beginning of the birth pains, we move into a period called the tribulation. And the characteristics, the things you'll see happen, see happening in the tribulation are outlined in that list on the bottom. In the middle of the tribulation, so the tribulation is divided into two 42-month periods, two 42-month periods. In the middle of the tribulation, there will be an abomination, the abomination of desolation, where uh, the spirit of the Antichrist, who seemed to be coming as a man of peace, is revealed for who he really is. And then we enter into uh, the period which is called the Great Tribulation, and we're going to talk tonight about the Great Tribulation. Great Tribulation is talked about in Matthew chapter 24, uh, verses 21, uh, I think it's longer than that, Matthew chapter 24, verses uh, 21 through to 28. Matthew 24, 21 to 28. And Revelation Revelations chapter 5 to 16 talks about the Great Tribulation as well uh, under the titles or themes of the seven uh, seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bulls. So those are the two major portions of Scripture uh, where we're getting revelation about what the Great Tribulation is. I want you to notice that blue... Uh, I don't know what to call it, wave that is getting bigger and bigger in that graph. Um, and it's really a depiction of what's going to be happening in the world uh, as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ. Now, the church is pregnant with anticipation. I've never been pregnant. That will not surprise you. But I have lived with my wife through three pregnancies. There are some challenging moments in the beginning weeks and months, but uh, the real problem starts, the real pain starts when the birth pains start to come. 
Now, I have no firsthand experience with this, so everything I'm saying now is off the internet. But apparently there are three stages to labor pain. There's early labor pain where uh, the contractions will be between three minutes and 20 minutes and they're not necessarily predictable. Some of them come closer together, some of them are a little further apart. That's what the internet says. Well, I'm quoting the internet. If I'm wrong, blame the internet. And then there's the uh, transitional labor pain, which happens in the middle before you get uh, what uh, this article described as the pushing labor pain, where uh, the contractions are really short together and they're painful and they're sharp. So how do labor pains work? At the beginning, they're kind of unpredictable, they're far apart, the pain is spread out, and then you get to a stage where it's increasing, and then you get to the end where it is, because I've been in the labor room, it appears to be almost unbearable. What's happening here is as we get closer and closer to the return of the Lord, there's this increased uh, frequency of pain and there's uh, increased intensity of pain. These birth pains lead us on uh, a journey and uh, it is going to be perilous. It is going to be difficult. So what are the traits or what's going to be happening during uh, the Great Tribulation? Let me uh, take a journey with you now through uh, Scripture. Matthew 24, 21. Matthew 24 and verse 21. Then there will be great tribulation. Amplified Classic Version. Affliction, distress, and oppression, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and will never be again. So catch what's happening here. There is, in Matthew chapter 24, tribulation, and then the gear shift in verse number 21, then there will be great tribulation. There's this period of birth pains that are painful, but then there will be great tribulation. Then there will be great tribulation. Tribulation such as the world has never seen from the beginning of time. So what's the first trait that uh, we're going to see uh, in the Great Tribulation? There's going to be difficulties of a nature that the world has never seen before. Secondly, lives are going to be lost. Lives are going to be lost. Matthew chapter 24, verse 22. Uh, if these days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. For the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So there's, there's this loss of life, and God at some point says enough is enough, and he cuts those days short. Matthew 24, 22. Third thing we see uh, in this portion is that false Christs and prophets will be performing signs and wonders. False Christs and prophets will be performing signs and wonders. Verse number 24, Matthew 24. False Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Say, so, ah, how's that happen? Christians get deceived. How does that happen? There are story after story after stories of Christians who get sucked into something that's not of God and they will believe with all of their heart it's from God and they'll push it and they'll promote it. 20-ish years ago, Lakeland, Florida, I will not use names here, but they were having what was called a revival. 
and there were exciting things happening in the service and people were being slain in the spirit and uh, people were dancing and laughing and staying and singing till two, three, four in the morning, night after night, after night, after night, it went on and on for months and months and months. I think it was 18 months just, and people were coming. And there were announcements made that people were being healed and great stories on the platform and the crowds kept coming and all kinds of fervor. 400,000 Christians drove to Lakeland, Florida during that period of the revival. And then they found out that when the service was over, uh, the evangelist was making his way to the bar was getting drunk every night. The whole team was involved in uh, a bunch of fornication. Evangelist ends up leaving his wife. And then they find out that every one of the miracles that was being declared and creating so much excitement, every one of them was fake news. And 400,000 Christians drive and fly from all over the world to be a part of these great signs and wonders. It is possible, brothers and sisters, for Christians to be deceived. It is possible for Christians to be deceived. There are going to be lots of false Christs, a false anointing. Christ means the anointed one, false anointing and false prophets out there. And so friends, and, and I'm not against signs and wonders. I am not against signs and wonders. Please hear me. I'm not against signs and wonders. But friends, our faith is not built on signs and wonders. Our faith is built on the word of God. And we need to know God's word. We need to be deeply rooted and grounded in God's word. We are people of the word. So we stick to the word. So in this time of great tribulation, there's going to be false Christs and false prophets out there uh, who are actually performing signs and wonders. And the signs and wonder lovers are going to say, wow, I got to get there. I got to see this. This is wonderful. Signs and wonders. And even the very elect are going to be deceived. Great tribulation. Fourth thing that's going to be a characteristic of the great tribulation. Famine. Famine. Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 8. May have to go two slides on that one, but... Uh, and I looked and behold a pale horse. So this is the period of Revelation uh, 5 through to whatever it was, 16, which is talking about the tribulation. I looked and behold a pale horse. Its rider's name was Death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. So famine is going to be part of the great tribulation. And then go back the back again uh, to the slide. I may just skip over. The other thing that's going to be a characteristic of this time is pestilence, pestilence. So Luke 21 and verse 11, Luke 21, verse 11. So Luke 21 is kind of the parallel to Matthew 24, Luke's writings. Uh, verse 20, 11 in the English Standard Version, there will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences. There will be terrors and great signs from heaven. That's fairly uh, straightforward. Other than what in the world are pestilences? Amplified Classic helps us with that. There will be mighty and violent earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. In brackets, define it. Plagues. Malignant and contagious or infectious epidemic diseases which are deadly and devastating. 
and there will be sights of terror and great signs from heaven. Contemporary English Bible. There will be great earthquakes and wide-scale food shortages and epidemics. There will also be terrifying sights and great signs in the sky. Uh, complete Jewish Bible. There will be great earthquakes. There will be epidemics and famines in various places. And there will be fearful sights and great sights. Fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Wow. Now, remember what I've said here. What, what's happening here? These, these are increasing in intensity. It's like birth pains. It's like giving birth to something. There's an increasing frequency and increasing intensity happening in these things. So let's look at epidemics. From 1 AD to 1899 AD, there were 124 epidemics and pandemics. So 124 epidemics and pandemics, three of them worldwide. Three of them affected the whole world. Now let's look at what's happened since 2000 to 2021 AD. 119 epidemics and pandemics, 13 of them worldwide. Increasing intensity. So 124 in the first 1900 years, and then in the last 120 years, 124 in the first 1900 years, in the last 120 years, 119. And 13 of them are worldwide. This is what the Bible, Bible friend, my friends, Bible friends was written uh, and put together 2000 years ago, the New Testament part added to it. This is, this is stuff that was written 2,000 years ago. That makes this even more amazing. Uh, next slide. There will be deception and apostasy. And number seven, there's going to be this thing called the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast. Let me read a bit from the Bible about that for you. Revelations chapter 13 and verse number five. The beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. So this mark of the beast, this antichrist spirit, uh, rules and reigns, has authority to rule and reign for 42 months. Remember, the tribulation is two 42-month periods. Great tribulation is what we're in right now. Not right now, uh, but in terms of this message, we're talking about the great tribulation. It's allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Now move down in the chapter and get to verses 14 to 16. And by the signs that is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth. So there's going to be these signs and wonders happening and people are going to gobble it all up. And friends, let me warn us who are of a Pentecostal charismatic, uh, full gospel orientation. We're the signs and wonders lovers. They're going to be deceived by the signs that is allowed to work telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived, was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be, to be slain. So there's this image out there that is somehow going to receive breath uh, to conduct itself like a living being. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. We've all heard of that mark, or most of you will have. You'll get a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. This is going to be part of the great tribulation. We get further instruction on this, and this is not up on the slide, but we get further instruction on this in Revelation chapter uh, 13 and verse number uh, 18, I think it is. Let me just get there. Revelation 13 and verse number 18. 
And this calls for wisdom. What's the number of its name? The end of verse 17. Let the one who is understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six, six, six. So the number of the Antichrist, we've heard the number 666. We, SGI gives us a license plate with the number 666 on it. And we say, oh, I don't want that. That's a bad number. And we ask for a new number. The number of the beast will be 666. Uh, let me say this because I've heard some things over the last year that concern me a little bit. Some have told me that the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. Let it be understood crystal clear from the pulpit of the neighborhood church. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Got it? The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. But still, there's some things for us to learn uh, in this whole COVID epidemic experience. And I have no doubt in my mind that evil forces, demonic forces, are part of the scheming and the planning in all of this. Uh, the devil loves to scheme. The, level, the devil loves to set traps that will deceive us. And I think if I was going to do a run-through to see how everybody's going to respond to me trying to take over the world, uh, this is a pretty good practice run. have to get codes to get into uh, restaurants and you have to get codes to get into some public buildings. Uh, it's, it's a pretty good practice run. Now, does it mean it's wrong for us to have the code? No, and this is where wisdom kicks in. <laughs> there are things that are wrong at one point that aren't wrong, uh, that aren't wrong at other points. Uh, Right now, in my judgment, the code is not uh, a spiritual issue. But we get used to, so the world is getting used to the idea that the government will say, you've got to have this to get into things. You've got to have this to do things. And so there's this breaking down in the next time or the next two times, whatever the timeline is, and I'm not putting timelines here, friends, but whatever the timeline is, there's this breaking down of our thought patterns that will say, ah, it wasn't really that bad the last time this happened. Really, it was okay. So what's happened? Now, when this suggestion comes again, you got to get a number. We're just that, that much more acclimatized to the idea of, oh, you got to get numbers to get that. I'll get a number. I don't think, friends, we really get in our thinking how difficult it's going to be when the mark of the beast is needed to purchase and sell things. I've had Christians suggest to me, well, if we're going to be here, I'm just going to make sure my mortgage is paid for. Well, that's probably a good idea. I don't think you want a mortgage in the Great Tribulation. But I then followed up with a question. Okay, so you've got your mortgage paid for. Uh, what are you going to eat? Oh, I'm going to grow a garden. Oh, okay. And uh, how are you going to water the garden? Well, I'm going to turn my hose on. Yeah, but how are you going to pay for the water that goes through the hose? Well, I'm going to dig a well. Okay, and where are you going to get the stuff to make a well with? Well, I'm going to go to the store. Hmm, I have a problem here. Well, I guess I'll just have to go out to the country, I guess, and, and pick berries and, and shoot animals. Uh, well, how are you going to get there? Well, I'm going to drive my car. You're gonna, and how are you going to drive your car? Well, I'm going to get 
you're going to what? <laughs> this is much more complicated than sometimes we uh, take time to think about. There's going to be no ability <laughs> to do any transactions without the mark of the beast. Um, these are going to be perilous, difficult times if we're here. Come back next week and we'll see what the Bible has to say about that. And say, well, I guess I'll just stay home then and, and, and drink water and eat the grass from my front lawn. And what are you going to do when it's 40 below to keep warm? I'll turn the You'll turn the furnace on, will you? And how are you going to be paying the natural gas bill? These are going to be very, very difficult times. So here is just a quick summary page, and I'm throwing it up here for you now, uh, that you can do one of three things with it. Say, oh, that's neat. I'm not going to pay any attention. That's your first option. Your number two would be get your camera and just write down those major events because I've got scriptures listed there that we didn't all look at all of them. So you may want to take a picture. Or you could take out your connect card and just put your name on it and say, um, we'll collect them a little later in the service and say, uh, please email me the uh, list of major events of the tribulation. Handle it any one of those ways, but if you want the details of that slide, uh, there it is. Now, back to, back to what really needs to be said tonight. God doesn't say any of this to scare us. God says it to us to prepare us. God doesn't say any of this to us to scare us. God says this to us to prepare us. So here's where the church has been so off track. We just love these kinds of sermons, except when people get as pointed as me and make us feel like, this might not be quite as thrilling as I want it to be. But we love to discuss this stuff. But that's not really the big question here. Next slide. Uh, the more important question than what is going to happen in the end times is what should we be doing about it? And friends, this is the really important stuff. What should we be doing about it? So I brought out these uh, cubes again from a series we did in the fall. Anybody remember what D, E, and F are for? Because we're not about the A, B's, and C's anymore. We're about the D's, the E's, and the F's. What are the D's, these, and the F's? Anybody remember? Discipleship, evangelism, fellowship. And so after the message, I'm out on the uh, parking lot after the service last Sunday morning and uh, Dale stops and talks to me for a minute. Good to have you here tonight, Dale. And, and he says, boy, what you're talking about last week is really about the D's, the E's, and the F's. I'm going to suggest to you again tonight that the church really needs to be taking seriously the D's, the E's, and the F's. We really need to be. So I want to give you tonight five, uh, five things that we need to be doing um, in terms of, next slide, five things we need to, th important things we need to be watching out for. Uh, Luke chapter 21 and verse 26, uh, talking about the end times, people will be fainting with fear, with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is going to be a time when fear and anxiety is going through, going to be going through the roof, friends. Fear and anxiety is going to be going through the roof. And we need to recognize as believers that fear will be prevalent. 
fear will be prevalent. And we need to get really rooted and grounded in our walk with God and understand 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear. So if fear is overtaking us, it's not from God. We need to understand it'll be prevalent, but that's not where God wants us as believers to be parking. Fear will be prevalent. Second thing we need to be watching out for. Second thing we need to be watching out for. And, and I'm using this phrase, uh, watching out for, because that's the word, the language that Jesus used. And let's hope I can find the verse. Luke chapter 21 and... Uh, Verse number 34, watch yourselves. Here's what you need to be watching for. Watch yourselves, look out for. So this is talking about the end times, Luke 21, 34, watch yourselves. These are things we need to be watching out for. Fear will be prevalent. And we need to, number two, being doing all we can to strengthen our faith. Luke 18, last half of verse number eight, English Standard Version, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? It's going to be hard to find people whose hearts are firmly rooted and grounded in faith in God. And uh, if we're not rooted and grounded in our faith, fear will be able to manipulate us. And, and fearful people can be manipulated really, really easily. These are times, friends, for us to be deeply rooted and grounded in our faith. It's really, really important. That's why we're stirred in our hearts as, as the spiritual leaders, the pastoral team of this church to have us dig in as we've never dug in before to memorizing scripture. Friends, the power to keep on going in life comes from having the word of God planted deeply in your hearts. Don't take these verses we're working on in church lightly and say, ah, that's just another thing to make the service two and a half minutes longer. Worse they'd cut that out. We've got to get strong in our faith. We've got to get rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Yeah. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Isaiah chapter 41 and verse number 3. Uh, he pursues them and passes on safely by paths his feet have not trod. This is what God wants to be doing for us, friends. When the enemy comes in, uh, we're not concerned because we're going to pass through it safely. Uh, the enemy's not going to be able to go where we are. We need to have these truths rooted and grounded in, uh, in our hearts. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. We need to get so in love with God and have such confidence in Father that there's no place for fear because we know Father's got us. Father's got us. Number three, family connection must be a priority. And I'm not talking here about uh, your brothers and sisters that you eat Cheerios with together or ate Cheerios together with when you were growing up. I'm talking about a bigger family. I'm talking about the family of God. Uh, the church I grew up in, uh, we called everybody brother and sister. I wouldn't have, as a young man, ever thought of just calling Rod Friesen Rod. It would either be Brother Rod or Brother Friesen. <laughs> we recognized and kept coming back to using the language that we were brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to keep our family connections as a priority. And as we see the day of the Lord drawing near, end of verse number, Hebrews 10, 25, we don't neglect meeting together as a habit of some, but we really commit ourselves to encouraging one another. We're there for each other. When there are people in need, what do we do? We're there to help them. We get connected to each other. Friends, in the troublesome times that are ahead, we are going to need each other like never, ever, ever before. 
Now's not the time to be practicing isolation. Now is the time for the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, to be getting connected as family like never before. Because when the storm comes, we are going to need each other. We're going to have to be able to lean into each other. Fourth thing. We need to pursue intimacy with the Father. (laughs) Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 gives us some really tremendous instruction. And he talks about prayer and he says, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. A couple of weeks back, Pastor Yasmin spoke so well about the Father heart of God for us. Father loves you. And you, you need to develop this deep understanding of how much Father cares for you, how much Father loves you, how much Father wants to be there for you. I, I, this revelation of the Father and the fact he cares for you. You know, I hear some people, when they kind of are going through difficult times, they say, Oh, Lord! And that's beautiful. You're calling to God. I commend you for that. But what I find my spirit saying is, Oh, Father, oh, Father, you need to understand the love the Father has for you. And you need to pursue this intimate relationship with Heavenly Father. Get close to Him. Get to know Him. And lastly, you need to exercise, uh, develop your fasting muscle. Develop your fasting muscle. Muscle. So Matthew chapter 6 is amazing to me. All of us live in three basic spheres. We live in the sphere of relationships. And the beginning of Matthew chapter 6 says, uh, man, You make sure you're looking after each other's needs. If you see a brother in need, you reach out, you help them. That's how the body works. So we look after each other. We're in the realm of relationships. We care for each other. And then Jesus goes on and says, there's a second relationship that really matters. It's not just about us. It's a relationship with God. And he says, "Pray pray to the Father. Get intimate with the Father. And there's a third realm we all live in and we don't think about very much. And that's the realm of uh, spiritual wickedness. There's an enemy out there trying to destroy and gobble up people and wreck lives and make you do things that are absolutely stupid. It's out to destroy you. And we all live in those three realms, all of us. And so we have to be practicing and building habits that will uh, keep us in connection with one another, that will help us be pursuing intimacy with the Father, and we need to develop our fasting muscle. So this coming week, and the slide will come up, is a week of prayer and fasting uh, at the neighborhood church. Now, here's the problem with a week of prayer and fasting for me. Not only is next week difficult, but this week has been hard for me to keep happy in Jesus because all week I've been thinking, oh, next week I've got to fast. Wait around two weeks. There's nothing in our flesh that says, yay, get to fast next week. But friends, we need to develop a fasting muscle because fasting is that exercise which has been put in place to push back the forces of the evil one. And these end times are going to be evil. Very evil. And we have to be able to push back these forces. So this week, we as a church are going to practice uh, developing and using our fasting muscle. Every morning, Monday to Saturday, this corner of the sanctuary, I hope the circle's huge. 
We're going to pray from 9.45 to 10.45 a.m. And if some of you want to stay longer and just linger in the sanctuary, this sanctuary will be a place of prayer this week. We're going to fast and we're going to pray. And we're going to call out to God. And we're going to call out to God in a number of areas, but we're going to ask God to strengthen our faith. We're going to ask God to strengthen our faith. Because many of us are not where we should be. Many of us are not where we should be. We're going to have evening Zoom prayer meetings, Monday through Wednesday and Friday at 8.30 p.m. Zoom is really easy to load. Just Google it if you don't have Zoom on your, on your uh, computer or laptop yet. Load the app, Zoom, it's free. And then when you go to join a meeting... Uh, they'll ask you for two things, meeting ID and passcode, meeting ID and passcode. There's the meeting ID and the passcode for the prayer meetings that are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday night. I am hoping, friends, that we have a 100 people coming together to cry out to God every single evening at 8.30. I'm going to take about 10 minutes and do some teaching on this whole area of fasting, and then we're going to start to pray. We're going to start to pray. So, uh, 8.30. And then uh, also on Wednesday evening, different meeting ID, passcode number, but there is a Zoom prayer meeting at 5.30 as well. And then a worship night Thursday evening at 7 p.m. And we're meeting at uh, the uh, Warman Martinsville uh, building, which is 208 Main Street. This is the next part's important, Main Street uh, West in Warman, Main Street West. We have finally dis decided and discovered and uh, determined uh, the name for our, what we've been calling the Martinsville venue for the t last 10 years. But our vision has always been bigger than Martinsville. We've always been praying about Delmany and Martinsville and Warman and Osler and Hepburn, that whole area. Uh, and now we're meeting in Warman and calling it Martinsville venue doesn't work so well anymore. So effective now, but be quiet because I haven't announced this in that venue yet, but effective now. So if you're listening online and you're from Martinsville, turn this off. You'll come back tomorrow night and find out. Uh, but from now on, that venue is going to be known as our North Point venue. North Point. So we'll be meeting at North Point uh, Thursday evening for an evening of worship and prayer at 7 p.m., probably about 90 minutes long. Friends, the church has to take these things seriously. Know this, friends, in the last times, perilous times will come. Understand it. Understand it. So uh, five things we need to be doing. What should we be doing? Uh, we need to understand that fear will be prevalent. We need to be watching out for this. We need to do all we can to strengthen our faith. We need to make family connection a priority. We need to pursue intimacy with the Father, and we need to develop our fasting muscle. Now, this kind of rolled out to me. I actually redid this sermon this morning, about 5 o'clock this morning. And boy, when it was all done, I said, boy, this is really neat. Next slide. Fear, faith, family, father, fasting. Fear, faith, family, father, fasting. Everybody say that with me now. Fear, faith, family, father, fasting. We need to be working on all of those things, friends. We need to be working on all of those things. So why don't we stand? And I would just invite you to, uh, to just take a moment now and just uh, ask God to help you not be so much concerned about the timeline of being able to tell everybody everything that's happening. 
you're not going to be able to change any of that. <laughs> what we can control is being prepared. God hasn't given us this instruction to scare us. He's given this to us to prepare us. Let's just ask God now as we pray to do that work of preparation in our hearts. Father, we don't know when everything's going to happen. We're not making any declarations that everything's going to change next week or next month. We don't know the timeline. But Lord, we don't want to be taken by surprise. We want to be ready for whatever is ahead. So I ask you, Lord, by your spirit to prepare our hearts. Lord, uh, we look around and we study and we think and we see. I pray that your spirit would bear witness to everybody here. Your spirit would bear witness to everybody here exactly what they need to be doing and what what they're seeing and how all of this fits in your word lord I, I ask that they not take my word and run to the bank with it i pray your spirit would speak to them and lord that we would be listening to what your spirit is saying to us through your word i pray father for anybody here who who even now, having heard this message, is feeling all anxious. I pray, Lord, that you would just release them from that. Lord, that our hearts would not be anxious, but that faith would arise in our souls, our spirits, our hearts. And we would just have confidence that our Father has absolutely everything under control. And help us to live, Lord, with that kind of confidence. In Jesus' beautiful name I pray. Amen.